1: Hello and welcome to the Bronx Beat Podcast, episode 142, your all Miguel Andujar edition or Andujar edition, Andujar. Uh, I am here with Dr. Paul Semendinger.
2: Hey, EJ. Great to be on.
1: Great. Great to be on. I apologize in advance for mispronouncing for years Miguel Andujar's name, and I will do my best to get it right from here on out, though I assure you I will slip up throughout this podcast. It's all good. So, so the Yankees have been good again.
2: It's unbelievable. They've won four in a row. I think they're on pace now for ninety-six wins. If you extrapolate it out over the course of a full season.
1: I mean, I mean, all I have to say is that you know, if you're down and you're struggling with offense, and the New York Yankees need a boost, there is nothing like a four-game series against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, <laughs> so, unbelievable. hopefully, this lasts beyond the, the Yankees. You know, historic. Uh, the, the 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 historic uh, I guess boosters of the New York Yankees, which are the Twins, uh, even when they're kind of good, the Yankees can still kick their ass. Uh, this has been a fun team to watch lately. Uh, we've got Glaber Torres up. Uh, that's something that happened a couple days after our last podcast, so so that's been cool. Uh, any thoughts on Glaber Torres so far?
2: Well, so far I, I like the fact, and they better just keep doing this. I want him in the lineup, and I want Anduhar in the lineup as well. Uh, if they're going to bring these kids up, they need the playing time. And, and the, the thought has been that we want Gleyber Torres in the majors once he comes up to stay. And so run him out there, and let's see what he does.
1: Yeah, the guy they seem to be willing to sit these last couple of games uh, when, when there's a little bit of a roster crunch is Ben Tyler Austin. How do you feel about that? Should they also kind of be giving Tyler Austin that same priority as those other two guys? Or is it okay to sit him for Neil Walker occasionally?
2: I think it's OK to sit him for Neil Walker occasionally because I, I still think they believe and I believe, too, that Neil Walker will hit. And I don't believe that Tyler Austin is one of the guys who's going to be a core contributor going forward as they're looking past 2018 or 2019. And I think Andujar and I think Labor Torres and Greg Bird, if he's ever healthy, are those types of players that they're looking forward to carrying this team to the next great era.
1: I mean, I'm, bas- I'm basically with you there. Like, like part of me doesn't believe that Tyler Austin is better than, like, say, Greg Bird. But he, the guy's slugging 600 and has slugged like 550 in the high minors fairly consistently. So part of me says, like, Neil Walker, I like you, but you're hitting 170, and you know the upside is is like above average player. Where like there's part of me that says Tyler Austin could be Justin Bohr or could be you know could be one of those those kind of solid uh, you know solid for a a, a hitter who is an impressive hitter, but because he's a first baseman is only like an above above average major league player.
2: Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. I don't think the Yankees see him as, as the long-term guy. And I think they see Neil Walker as somebody that once Greg Bird comes back, has the ability to play in multiple spots and fill holes when guys get injured for short periods of time. And, you know, Tyler Austin can just play first base. So I think he's limited in that role.
1: Yeah, um, so we're not going to talk too much about Gleyber Torres. I think we're both happy that he's up, and it's been fun to watch him so far. He's gotten some, he's gotten some singles. He's gotten, you know, he's looked okay. People are talking about him adjusting already, but I don't <laughs> think we really have. Yeah, I know. I, I don't think people really have. We have any real data on this guy. I think people are kind of talking out of their asses on the broadcast. We love you, Michael K. Um, so we're going to, we're going to avoid Gleyber Torres for a little bit. We'll, we'll have probably maybe next week. We'll talk a little bit more about how he's looked so far. I agree with you that the most important thing is that they're playing him every day and they are. Uh, but today we're going to talk about, I think, you know, the, the other exciting Yankee prospect who has been called up, uh, Miguel, uh, on Duhar on Duhar, uh, and he, he's hot. <laughs> he, <laughs> he is hot. It, it, I, it's amazing. You know, I, I had. I've seen I've heard about him in the minors forever. I've seen his batting lines in the minors. I've seen him a little bit during spring training. But the guy just looks like someone who can make hard contact a lot, right? Indeed. Absolutely. It's it's I love watching him like kind of hit these doubles to you know or or triples to, you know, to into the gaps. I mean, it really it really he really looks like a guy who could who could bat 320 in the majors, you know, in in his best year. Um So my question for you is how good is is he is he all-star good or is he you know guy who hangs around the majors for 10 years good
2: I think he's all-star good I have my guy who I think he reminds me of and I'll, I'll share that in a little while but the guy he reminds me of I'm looking right now was an all-star
1: let's see three six seven times in his career seven time I'm sorry you, you want me to guess him don't you <laughs> well, right, you need, said, you said a 325
2: there. batting average. Okay. The guy that I'm thinking of um once hit 300 on the nose, once hit 290 299, excuse me, and once hit 290. But he oh, was a god, great player. Okay, wait, I need some more clues. About is he home runs a year?
1: Am I old enough to remember him well?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh god, okay, I need I need one more clue. Give me give me a team. Uh well, he was a Yankee. Oh god. Okay. Uh, Well, in the absence, I'm going to make a guess in order just to keep the airtime kind of moving here. I'm going with Scott Brocious. Oh,
2: (laughs) interesting. But no. Um, Alfonso Soriano.
1: Really? That's
2: interesting. Why? Right-handed guy comes up. He's got a wild swing. He's got a lot of whip to the swing. And and when he hits the ball, it it goes all over the place and and, uh, also doesn't walk much. Uh, but a, a consistent guy who hits for power and is an exciting bat in the lineup. That's except for the fact that Soriano stole a lot of bases. I don't think we'll see on do that.
1: I think the aggressiveness is an interesting is the interesting dimension of that comp right there, right? That that, uh, that uh, especially early in his career. I mean, Soriano didn't take a lot of walks and. Later in his career, he struck out a lot. You know, I'm looking at his stats early in his career. He had a better contact percentage than I than I thought he did. And he he made contact in a lower strikeout era of you know, 17, 18 percent of the time during during his prime years. So that's that's you know pretty impressive. And he and you're right. He was able to put together a pretty solid batting average. I I mean I I think like the best version of, of Andujar I would I would kind of put him more in the I think he's more of a contact hitter than that. I mean, he he at AAA. He had a thirteen and change percent strikeout rate. Didn't walk a lot. Thirteen point two percent at AAA. Fourteen percent double in twenty seventeen. Thirteen percent, twelve percent. Like this guy is a like is a potential like elite contact hitter and. The Yankee, I, we talk about this a lot in this podcast, but the Yankee home ballparks in the minor leagues suppress right-handed power like tremendously. Especially mm-hmm. at Double A, it's just really hard to hit for power as a right-handed hitter. And even so, he did it. I mean, even so, he he had solid power in the minor leagues. And I'm wondering if the combination of growing older, he's only what 22 years old or 23 years old, coming to the majors with the juice ball, the better home ballpark, etc you know, it gives him the potential to be a 25-home run hitter. And if that's the case, 25-home run hitter with, like, a 300 batting average and not-so-great walks, I mean, that's that's impressive. Like That's like Manny Machado as a hitter, you know, over, over much of the last three or four seasons.
2: Indeed. I'm, I'm going to just uh, say I disagree. I know the contact numbers are there, but if you look at Andujar's uh, strikeout numbers – In 2014 at Charleston, uh, and now these are leagues that he should be dominating because he's uh, an impressive talent. Uh, He struck out 83 times. In 2015 in Tampa, he struck out 90 times. Um, And in 2016, between Trenton and Tampa, he struck out 72 times. So he's trending down, if you want to say, but there is those times, and there are those times, and there is that uh, um, history that he does uh, missed the bat or missed the ball uh, at least a fair amount of times. As he's yeah, committed. but in the modern
1: day, I mean, those are, those are impressive, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah but like, players but, don't do that anymore.
2: Well, uh, what I'm saying is I, I think that could compare to a guy like Soriano who, you know, he had a, he had a season where he struck out under only 100, well, he only played 109 games, but, you know, sometimes he was striking out 121 times instead of 156 times.
1: Yeah, so, I think I think it's interesting because Soriano never took walks, right, or didn't mm-hmm. take a lot of walks, and and that's probably the player that Miguel Andujar is. Yes, um, I think and, so. It, and so that's interesting. He's also not a great defensive player, so so we got that comp there too. Hats um, thinks that his contact so far is like completely legitimate. So he so far has been had a WOBA of 3.75 on the season. Better in the last couple of weeks, actually, but overall 3.75. And his expected WOBA, based upon batted ball contact, strikeouts, walks, et cetera, is 387. So you know, that's pretty on the nose, right? So he's not getting lucky in terms of batted ball luck. I think the next question is, will he, you know, will the league adjust to him and can he adjust back? I am, in, I am encouraged by his minor league numbers. I mean, his minor league numbers, the more you look at them, look like a potential elite hitter and if you look at the kind of like the prospect like discussion about him over the last season there was a lot of of um there was uh, there was debate and and real contentiousness over where to rank him so FanGraphs uh was were the high people on the the two guys at FanGraphs who ranked this were the high guys on, on on him they ranked him number 14 in all of baseball that is a very very high ranking. It's basically Gleyber Torres. There's not a whole lot of daylight between the two of them in their rankings. Um, to give you an idea, I mean, we're talking about you know, Col- you know he, he's being ranked near Colorado uh, shortstop Brendan Rodgers, In fact, ahead of him, he's ranked above, ahead of Luis Robert in Chicago, etc. Like he's this is a that's a, a very aggressive high ranking. And on some other lists, he wasn't even ranked or he was barely ranked. So baseball Baseball Prospectus did not rank him top 100. Baseball America had a number seventy nine, which is like good but not great prospect. Um, you know, th- this is uh, Zips, which is just uh, based based on his numbers, had him number seventy nine. So like there there are there are people out there who are willing to say this guy is a potential elite player, but the consensus was before the season he was a potential like good player. So my here's my question for you: How much should we? How much in new information do we have now versus what they had at the beginning uh, of the season?
2: Oh, I don't think a whole, a whole mm-hmm. heck of a lot. You know, we're, we have to talk about small sample sizes. but he's, he's been up 61 times. <laughs> he didn't start off great. He got very, very hot. Um, he didn't uh, get any hits last night, but he's gotten very, very hot. And I think he's obviously not as good as a guy who's going to get um, multiple extra base hits in seven straight games or whatever he did but i think he's a he's going to be a solid player and if you look at his, his batting 295 right now i can see him ending up right around here.
1: yeah and, and in that case he's a rookie of the year candidate um Absolutely. so i am kind of with you here like i i don't want to overreact to new information at this point i think again we need to see the league adjust back but if a month from now andu uh, anduhar is is hitting 295 with like a slugging percentage above 500 i mean then i start thinking about about him as as like a potential long-term all-star and, and a real a real find for the Yankee farm system, a real victory for the Yankee farm system. Here's my other question: I haven't I haven't noticed him on defense, which to me is a good thing since he's supposed to not be very good on defense. Have you noticed him much?
2: I haven't. Uh, early before the season, when I did a uh, uh, an article on, um, you know, a preview article, a prediction article, I actually predict based upon no data whatsoever. That he's actually going to be fine defensively, and he's going to uh, highlight, uh, throw the fans with the numbers of highlight-worthy uh, de- defensive catches and diving plays all over the place. I just think if you're athletic, uh, the de- the defense comes over time sometimes.
1: You know, it's it's interesting the the defensive critique of and uh, of Andujar. Okay, I can't going to keep trying that, and I will get it consistent eventually. Is it's a bit of a weird one. Like normally, first base, third basemen either have a like a, a flawed arm, an arm that needs to move to second base for the outfield, or they have a lack of range, or or whatever, right? But he has a fantastic arm. Everybody agrees on that, and he has he's got good range and is you know fine enough at, at getting the balls to third base. And the critique of him was always basically like he couldn't put it all together. Like he had a great arm, but he didn't make great throws, and he's got the good range, but sometimes he makes mistakes and all of that and i don't that, that always those critiques seem to me like things that players can get out of with a little bit of practice um, or even like that scouts will, will kind of overreact to and kind of they they'll become a conventional wisdom around a player that that's not really true i, agree with that I mean 100%. he, he seems yeah he seems like an unremarkable third baseman out there and to me that if he's going to hit you know 300 with a you know 500 slugging or something i mean that, that, that's fine
2: 100% I agree with you. I think sometimes, especially with these guys, how many people have really seen him play extensively who will write about him? You, you, you base your information on the information you see, and a lot of people then just repeat the same information because they're all making their decisions from the, same, from the same sources. And I think sometimes a narrative comes, oh, he can't play the, the defense as well as he should, and the Yankees need him to work on his footwork. But footwork is something that a player can learn and, and oftentimes do learn over the course of their career. And, and guys who come up and they say they can't field, eventually, and again, I know gold gloves doesn't really mean you're a good defensive player, but eventually win gold gloves and become solid defenders and, and uh, contributors to a team on both sides of the ball.
1: I agree completely. So, so we agree that Andujar is probably a major league regular at this point, or has a really good shot at being that, that kind of a regular. So let's just take that, that premise and accept it. Let's accept that he is either good or very good, and uh, the Yankees have found a treasure from the farm system. I, I want to talk about the implications of that. So first implication, Brandon Drury is about to come back on the roster. Gleber Torres is up. Uh, Andujar is playing great. What happens to Brandon Drury? He, he, yep. he was playing pretty well before he, he went down.
2: I think what the Yankees have to do with Drury is give him enough at-bats and enough exposure to prove that he has this migraine thing behind him. And then I think he's big. I, I don't think there's a place for him on the team.
1: That's interesting. So he is, uh, he is tradable right away, right, because we, we trade for him. We didn't sign him. What kind of what would you ask for in return? Let's let's assume he's got some value. What would you try to get for him?
2: Wow, you, you, you stumped me on that one because I I, I, have an, I
1: have an answer in my head. So if you want to, if I have stumped you, I can tell you what I'm th- what I think. I want to hear what you think. I think we need relief pitching. I think this team is really starting to look kind of thin in the bullpen, and it scares the crap out of me. And you know this this is a team that had you know was projected to be one of the best bullpens of all time coming into the season. And Conley is hurt, and we don't know if that shoulder injury is going to get better. And Dylan is sure as hell looks toast to me. And at that point, you start to be kind of, oh, and Adam Warren is hurt and didn't look good before he was hurt. At some point, this list, the bullpen right now looks like, you know, Aroldis Chapman, Chad Green, an OK David Robertson, and a lot of question marks. And if you can trade someone like Brandon Drury for a relief pitcher, if you think that you know you've solved second and third base, I think it's a good idea. Um, I'm going to offer. I was listening to the broadcast last night. Were you, did you listen to the game or watch the game last night?
2: I watched the game, but I have to be honest, I was also reading a book at the same time, so the sound was on and off.
1: It, it's 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 mid You got it, the, the baseballs on, on the on in the background. I get it, but I was listening intently, even though normally I'm also kind of like you doing something else. And they were having this discussion, exact discussion we are having. What do you do about Brandon Drury? And they just took it as a given that Ronald Torres is not going down to the minors. And that just, I mean, we've talked about this on this podcast, just annoys me. Like, Brandon Drury is a better player than Ronald Torres. Brandon Drury can play a lot of positions, and the positions that he can't play, like shortstop, the Yankees have other backups at that position, a la Gleyber Torres, who can play that as well. Brandon Drury would be a huge asset as essentially a backup infielder. He would be the best backup infielder in the American League East, maybe in the, in in the American League as as a whole. If you if you hadn't filled that role, like it's just it's it's like free wins over your competition to have a player who probably could be starting at second or third base as your backup, because those guys are going to need playing time. You're going to want to rest people. Maybe you're going to want to sit uh, sit people against a tough, a tough player, whatever, you know, coming off the bench late in the game, pinch hit, etc. And he could be that guy and he would be great in that role. And he could be the guy in that role for the next three or four years that the Yankees the Yankees give 300 at bats per year to.
2: Uh, absolutely. Now, if that's what they're going to do, I, then then I don't trade him. Um,
1: you know, but see I, I, the I think think is, I, I'm skeptical product, that they so would the, do it. The, the I think Yankees. they think that Brandon Drury is a regular, or Brandon Drury thinks Brandon Drury is a regular. Well, I think so Brandon Brandon I think your is scenario is treated. plausible.
2: Um, but, but the idea of Ronald Torres, I, I've talked about this a lot. The Yankees, for whatever reason, and it's been three different managers now, seem to get excited about these light-hitting middle infielders who um, – you know, put up these crazy numbers for uh, short periods of time. And, you know, Enrique Wilson, Louis Soho, um, Miguel Cairo. And, yeah, I, you don't hitch your uh, wagon to Ronald Torres' great star or the fact that he seems to come through because over a long period of time, he's definitely not Brandon Drury.
1: Yeah, and to, like, to his credit, he's hitting 400 right now. But, I mean, that that's that's bad at ball look, right? I mean, no one really thinks that that he's going to be that good going forward. And, you know, if he goes down to the minors and he hits 350 for a month, you call him back up. Like, it's not that hard. Correct. I, and the
2: Yankees have always done that, and great teams have always done that. If you look at the history of the Yankees, there's all sorts of great players, like Jerry Pretty, who was a phenomenal minor league hitter and— Came up at the same time with Phil Rizzuto, but he never made it into the majors uh, as, as a starter with the Yankees because there were other better players.
1: You know, it's amazing how the difference between a position player and a relief pitcher in this spot. Like if Ron Torres was like the same quality player, but a relief pitcher, he'd be up and down from he'd be Luis Sessa, right? He'd be up and down from the minors again and again and again. And teams are perfectly comfortable doing that with relief pitchers or even some kind of starting pitchers. But for some reason, for a bench player, maybe because he's like standing next to the team the whole time, like he like I think that actually might literally be it. Like he is just present. And so he feels like a part of the team that you can't just send down to the minors. And, you know, maybe maybe that makes it like just psychologically more difficult to do so. But he's clearly that player like he is a superfluous piece on, on this roster. Um, you know, I, I'm looking actually right now at a guy like Luis Soho, who's like, you know, the Ronald Torres of the 90s. And he actually never really went down to the minors, which is interesting, even though he probably should have. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there is something to this, this weird theory. <laughs> Could be. Um, you might be right on that. I don't know. I don't have an answer. answer. Long term a- implications. Miguel Anduhar is, Andujar is, uh, let's say he, he cements himself as a regular by June. Does that mean the Yankees are no longer considering trading for Manny Machado?
2: Trading at the t- at the trade deadline?
1: Yeah. Let's say let's say at the trade deadline, Peter Angelus drops his weird problem with the Yankees, and he permits his GM to to do a fair trade with the Yankees. I don't do it. So that's, to me, I'm I'm with you there. Like a, a month ago, I was going to say no, no, Manny Machado is going to be a Yankee like June fifth. Right, like that. That was just that was just my assumption. But if Andujar is a let's say a three win player or three and a half win player, then the the you don't gain that much by adding the whatever seven win if he's at the top of his game. Manny Machado, you gain you know you gain over the course of half a season like one win in that scenario, and you have to pay him and you have to give up someone significant like potentially Miguel Andujar, and even in the off season. I mean, Machado looked like the perfect Yankee target in the offseason. Mid-middle of his prime, having a great season, could be your third baseman for a very long period of time. He's not going to be your shortstop way that Dede's De- playing. And even then, I'm looking at him going, I, I don't think the Yankees need that player anymore. I, th- I, think, I think it's such a huge advantage if the Yankees can cement third base for cheap for the next six years that you know it, that they don't have to go out and get the best player available, which is amazing.
2: I absolutely agree with you. Why would you want to pay two hundred uh, million for Machado when you're going to get Andujar uh, through 2024, 2023 at you know super cheap rate? It, it yeah, doesn't it make any business uh, sense. I mean,
1: I, but then I start questioning like, okay, then where are the Yankees going to spend money? Because Bryce Harper's spot is taken. Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge are on this team. And, you know, then third base is taken, so you're not going to go out and get Manny Machado. Maybe you get, like, a Josh Donaldson as a DH or something like that, or you go out and you try to get Clayton Kershaw or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, the Yankees, this Yankee team looks already set up. Like, it doesn't look like they need to go out and spend a whole bunch of money, um, even though, you know, I would like the Steinbrenners to spend money instead of pocketing it. Um, and I, I, it's it's weird that, that a player like Miguel Andujar is... Like is prompting that sort of discussion out of me because a month ago I would have said he's incidental to the Yankees' fate, right? Like he's he maybe he's good, but you know they're not. Gonna, that's not going to stop the Yankees from going out and getting Manny Machado. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: so I think that's just fascinating. I'll tell you, it, it's it's been fun to watch. I I this team right now is just clicking in all cylinders. The, the the offense is clicking in all c- cylinders, and it's just a joy, right? I mean, when Gary Sanchez can hit two bombs in one game. And Aaron Judge can hit a bomb. And, you know, Andujar has, like, three doubles. It's, and Didi Gregorius is the best player in baseball somehow. <laughs> I, it, it is it is fascinating to watch. And I don't know about you. My eyes right now are on Brett Gardner, who seems to be the weak link in this team. And although the leader of this team, I'm wondering if the Yankees are thinking about some kind of upgrade over him. Well,
2: let me, let me throw something at you. If Brett uh, Gardner, and, and, and one of these years he's going to be done – And the interesting thing about Brett Gardner is we loved him in 2017. In 2017, Brett Gardner was the Brett Gardner everybody expected him to be. He clutch homers, he was the leader, the veteran, and all that kind of stuff. But before 2017, I, I mean, if we were to go back and look at all the comments about Brett Gardner, and I love the guy, but a lot of fans were down on him. He takes a lot of cult strike threes. He wasn't getting on base. He always got hurt. He always wore down. And, you know, last year was conceivably his career season. And he could be going downhill every year uh, going forward from that. I, I posted that on my blog a couple of weeks ago, and somebody commented, like, how can you say Brett Gardner's not going to be great going forward? Well, of course, he just might not be.
1: Yeah, he doesn't seem to have a lot of room for error to me. Right, like, like once Brett Gardner is no longer good, I think he'll just be bad. He won't have that like slow, gradual, graceful decline because he's athletic. But I don't think that the skills have ever really been there. Where you say Brett Gardner is, you know, is as talented as his WAR number. Mm-hmm. Like he's always managed to, to like to like scrape together like a really valuable season. I mean, if you look at his his like Brett Gardner has thirty one graphs WAR over his season. I would have laughed at you had you told me when he was coming up through the minors, and I was Brett Gardner's biggest fan in the minors, that he was going to have a 31-war career and counting. That's, That's nuts to me, right? And, you know, last season he was really good, right? He hit the 21 home runs. He still stole 23 bases, played pretty good defense. But I don't know how long that lasts. And the Yankees don't need him right now. And there's a DH spot available. And I mentioned Josh Donaldson as a name. There are lots of other names the Yankees could trade for at midseason, you know, play Stanton and judge in the outfield every game, and just really improve this roster. I think at the very least he should not be leading off anymore. Aaron Hicks is just too good for for Brett Gardner to be leading off as often as he has been.
2: You, you are 100% correct. I, I would give Gardner a little more time because I think he's earned that. But the Yankees are also notorious for – You know, letting the legend, the big name guy, the old veteran uh, claim his spot for much longer than he deserves. And that's I'm
1: worried about that. I really am worried about Derek Jeter in this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, mean, not Derek Jeter.
2: I mean, right. You want to make the excuse to do it for Derek Jeter. Okay, but Brett Gardner's not Derek Jeter.
1: Well, you know, the same thing I said about Brett Gardner, about Brett Gardner being a guy who, who has always performed better than his talent. I think Derek Jeter is the opposite of that. Like, Derek Jeter, even in diminished physical form, had the talent to, like, put in an all-star season when you just didn't expect it. Like, like I think it was his second-to-last season or third-to-last season, he hit, like, 320 just out of nowhere and was, you know, was just excellent after a couple of years of not being good. Like, I, I, I believe that Derek Jeter could, could do that because Derek Jeter – is a Hall of Fame talent and has kind of that, those 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 other skills that, that other players don't. I just don't think Brett Gardner has that advanced talent at his age. And once the physical decline sets in, there's you know the, those athletic tools can no longer kind of keep him afloat.
2: All right, I, I, I agree with you 100. percent So I'm going to pose something to you, uh, Mr. Sure. DJ. If Brett Gardner's not a Yankee in 2019, it is very much a right-handed heavy mm. lineup. Yep. It would be great to get a left-handed bat, and my dream—and I'm wondering what you're thinking of this—is I get Bryce Harper and I figure out where he plays and how he works with with Stanton and Judge and all that, and one of them DHs or however you figure it out. I, w- I worry about figuring out where they play after I get them.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, look, I'm not going to turn down Bryce Harper on my team. Like they'll figure it out. And I agree with you. Um, I think I'm just skeptical that. I'm skeptical that they'll do it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think John Carlos Stanton is ready to be a full-time DH or should be a full-time DH. Um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he's better as a full-time DH like health-wise. Uh, I think Bryce Harper is having right now an amazing start to his season. He has a 30% walk rate, which is like Barry Bonds' walk rate, and a 14% strikeout rate. He has Miguel peak Miguel Andujar's contact. With a thirty percent walk rate, that's nuts. That's just that's just insane. And in Yankee Stadium, you're right. He's a left-handed hitter. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. This is a very much a righty-heavy lineup, and is especially with our new third, our third baseman and our new second baseman, you know, will is looking like it will continue to be a a a, a righty-heavy lineup. I I'm getting I'm having more faith that Didi Gregorius as a left-handed hitter will be good for a long period of time, but. Not that much faith. <laughs> I, I have enough. I, I think his, like Statcast thinks his performance so far is legit. I'm still a little bit skeptical that he's going to be a you know a, the number three hitter long term as a lefty. So they definitely got to get some left handed power into this lineup. I just don't know where that comes from.
2: Well, my vote is Bryce Harper. Uh,
1: it, you know, I'll take it. Not my money. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, Paul, thank you very much for joining me. My battery's about to run out, so we're going to have to end this episode at 30 minutes exactly, which is what we shoot for. Thank you, everybody else. This has been your Bronx Beat Podcast.
0: At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion, and once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry, from delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.